We just heard from Steve and Amy as they shared, and if you were here at the beginning of the service, you saw a live video of our Mexico caravan team as they shared a little bit what's going on this week in Mexico. And I would bet that there was a time maybe 20 years ago or more for Steve and Amy and for our students and for our adult leaders on caravan, I would bet that there's a time when they said, and probably that each of us could say in this room, I am the most unlikely person for God to call and God to choose to serve him. We're going to be talking about this morning that we can still be used by God, even when we feel we're the most unlikely, if our heart is in the right place. And so today we begin a summertime look at David. Uh, David is a great person to study because he is very human. He succeeds in big ways and he fails in big ways. He's a great person for us to study this summer. We also are going to learn today that while the world looks at the outward appearance, God looks at the heart. And again, if our heart is in the right place, we can serve God wherever he calls us. Well, the story um, takes place, as I was telling the kids earlier, uh, when Saul is being rejected as king. Saul was disobedient, and so God has rejected him and said, we need a new king for Israel. He sends Samuel the prophet to Jesse to find a king. He's going to tell Samuel who this is, and we're going to pick up the story there. So if you'd like to read along, it's in 1 Samuel 16, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 1 through 13 in your Bible or in the ZPC Bible or up here on the screens. I'll read aloud and, and you can read along as well. Here is the word of God. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul? For since I have rejected him as king over Israel, fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, How can I go? Saul will hear about it and kill me. The Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, Do you come in peace? Samuel replied, Yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse calls, called Abinabab, And had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, Nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, The Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, Are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered, but he is tending the sheep. Samuel said, Send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent and had him brought in. He was ruddy with a fine appearance and handsome features. 
Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. He is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. Samuel then went to Ramah. Let's pray. Almighty God, we do come to you in prayer again, asking your help and your blessing upon this word, the true living word of God, that it may touch each of us in this room and that it may guide us this week as we go from this place. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, as we said today, we're looking at one of the great characters of the Bible about David who is like us. And we're not just going to study his successes or his failures today. We're going to look at his heart. It is the reason that it's the reason that God called him and it's the reason that sets him apart. And the graphic that we have for the series that you'll be seeing over this summer looks like this. And it's a picture of a heart. And it says, after God's own heart, because David was described as a man after God's own heart. It's not that he can play the harp. It's not that he was a great warrior who won many battles, which he did. It's not that he's a great king, which he was. It's not that he had big troubles, including one of his own sons taking his throne, driving him away from Jerusalem and trying to kill him. Those aren't the things that set David apart. The thing that set David apart that we want to look at today is his heart. It was a heart that was after God's own heart. So as we read a minute ago, it begins here. Samuel's looking for a new king to replace Saul, and God sends him to Jesse, who has many sons. But after going through seven sons, God says, keep looking. And Samuel was, was obedient to God. He didn't rush forward without God and anoint the most handsome or the tallest, or the oldest. says Samuel would not sit down until the last, the youngest, came in from the fields. And then then, uh, God said to Samuel, rise and anoint him. He is the one. But why was it that God told Samuel to anoint David? Well, it's right there in verse 7, the key verse in this passage where it says this. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height. He's talking about... um, one of Jesse's oldest sons, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Well, ZPC for many years has held high the value of the hearts. And you've heard about here in the life of ZPC, the six marks of the disciple. And the first one of those is a heart for Christ alone, a heart for Christ alone. And that's important because it's what the other marks rest upon. When we have a mind that we want to be transformed by the word, it's based on a heart that wants to learn from the word. When we have arms of love or a voice to speak the good news, we have those things. We want to love others. We want to tell others about good news because we have a heart first that is turned towards God, that is passionate for God. When we want to get down on our knees and pray, have knees for prayer, it's because our heart's in the right place. We want to pray to God. We want to talk to God. And when we want to have a spirit to serve and a spirit of stewardship to steward the things that God has given us as individuals, as families, as churches, as a church, we have those things because first we have a heart um, that is passionate for God. That's where it all begins. Well, I want to look at, really, that's the message is... uh, uh, 
that God does not look at the outward appearance, things like height or, or what you look like. God wants your heart to be in the right place. I want to take a look at this, though, uh, from maybe a little creative ways of um, what culture might say and then what God might say through this passage here. Culture might say appearance, but God says heart. Culture says appearance, God says heart. Well, what does it look like or what does it sound like to have a heart after God's own heart? I think it's kind of hard to, um, to classify, really. So one of the ways we can do that is to look at David's own words, and David was a writer of many of the Psalms. Here's one of the Psalms that may not get a lot of attention. It's Psalm 86, and we're gonna hear uh, David's voice in this Psalm. It says, hear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. He puts himself in a place humble before God, poor and needy. Guard my life, for I am devoted to you. He has devotion towards God. You are my God, save your servant who trusts in you. He's expressing his trust in God, that God is there, God is sovereign for him. Have mercy on me, O Lord, asking God for his mercy. Again, putting himself below God in a humble place. For I call to you all day long. You know, in the examples that we have of David's prayers, it's he is one who calls on God for help, that he cries out to God, he confesses to God. He is calling on God all day long. He says, bring joy to your servant. For to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. He's humbly lifting himself before God that God would touch him and move in him. If we look down to the bottom of this psalm, Psalm 86, it says these things. David, again, this is David's own words. We're looking and listening for his heart. Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart. He wants his heart to be undivided, you know, not divided half for the world and half for God. He's asking for God to help him to have an undivided heart focused with everything that he can on God, that I may fear your name, that he wants to have respect and reverence for God. I will praise you, O Lord God, O Lord my God, with all my heart. Again, there's his heart. He's raising his heart up before God. I will glorify your name forever. For great is your love toward me. You have delivered me from the depths of the grave. David is constantly giving praise and honor to God and not wanting that glory and honor for himself. There's probably times in his humanness where he sought that. But in these prayers, he's again and again humbling himself and giving the glory and honor to God, not to self. Well, our, our culture says, pick or choose the older son. But God says, age doesn't matter. We see that David has seven older brothers and he was just a boy out tending the sheep when Samuel was meeting with Jesse to find out who was going to be the next king. But it didn't matter that David was the youngest. His age didn't matter. It doesn't matter in the New Testament as well. We see that many of the disciples that Jesus chose were very young men. Um, uh, God chose Mary to be the mother of Jesus, who was a young girl, probably a young teenager. In God's economy, age doesn't matter. It's your heart that matters. Paul says this in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. That's what our teenagers, some of your kids are doing in Mexico this week. They're setting an example in their life, in their love, in their faith. And we know they're not perfect, but they're there. They're serving with their hearts. Um, and they're serving um, 
to give their hearts to God. So it doesn't matter if you're young or old. It matters where your heart is. Culture says, America's got talent. But God says, you belong to me. We sang the song earlier, that middle song uh, that we sang in our time of worship. We're to ask the question, who am I? And the answer we give back to God is, I am yours. I belong to you, God. You don't have to be the most talented, but we need our hearts again to be in the right place for God. Each of us does have talents, and we need to, we need to look at, you know, what are our talents? What can we offer to God? Is it in the area of relationships or working with your hands? Do you have a mind that's good for science or computers? Are you an artist or a musician? Are you good at cooking, at preparing food? What are your talents and your abilities? Discover those and then look at with your heart how you can use your talents for God. Culture says uh, American Idol, but God says the body is not made up of one part, but of many. We don't need idols. We don't need to lift up individuals above others. God says, and he says the beauty of the church, really throughout the New Testament, the beauty of the church is that every one of us with our gifts and abilities is needed. Doesn't matter if you're, if you're a louder person and you're comfortable in front of large groups, if you're a quieter person, if you like to be behind the scenes, each of us is given spiritual gifts in which we can serve God. If you don't know what your spiritual gifts are, if you have any gifts, you can call the office, contact the church office. We have a couple of different spiritual gifts tests which we could help you with. You could find out and begin to discover what your gifts are and then dedicate those gifts to God. Our culture says win. Our culture says to win, but God says the first shall be last. You know, when we talk about appearance, you know, oftentimes when we look at athletes and sports take a big place in America, who's the biggest, the fastest, the strongest, the best looking? Um, in our culture, oftentimes those things are held up. And so we say to win. And I, and I love sports and I grew up um, liking sports very much. And I know when I was young, especially, I like to win. And I know that over the last week and in this coming week, it's tournament time for Little League baseball and softball. And I've been at the ball fields a lot watching my kids play baseball and softball. And I've been there and I want them to win, okay? But so I started thinking about what's my motivation for wanting my kids to win? Well, I love my kids, you know, and I want to see them succeed. I don't want them to fail. I don't want them to feel embarrassed if they don't do well. I want them to do well. And I started thinking about that. You know, our Heavenly Father, as much as I love my kids and I want them to do well, our Heavenly Father loves us so much more than we could ever imagine. He wants us to do well. He wants us to serve. He wants us to, um, to reach out for others, to represent him. And then we read what Jesus says. It's not all about winning. Sometimes it's the first shall be last and the greatest among you must be the servant of all. And so look for your place where you can be a servant leader and that's truly winning for Jesus Christ. The culture says that Saul was tall, but God says, come and follow me. And I think I mentioned with the kids, it says earlier there in the Old Testament that Saul was a full head taller than the other men around him. Part of what made him stand out and men looked up, up to him. He was an impressive looking man, but God says, come and follow me. And Saul followed God for a long time, but there was a time then where he turned away from God. He even set up a place to honor himself 
and not God. And it was at that time then that God rejected him as king. But you don't have to be tall like Saul to be king. We've already said David was a young man. You can be uh, who you are. There was a famous American 200 years ago I've been reading about, and I love reading about American history and history in general. And this famous American was made fun of for being short and small. His height was between about five foot four and five six, and he was very slight of build. He was a thin, small man, and people made fun of him for that. But that wasn't what uh, mattered for him. This man was called the father of the United States Constitution, and he wrote much of the Bill of Rights, which gives us freedoms like freedom to assemble and freedom to worship. This man was our fourth president, James Madison. And we might say, who's taller, James Madison or LeBron James? Well, we all know LeBron James is taller. But who made a greater impact on history because he had a passion and a heart for good things? That was James Madison. He had that great impact on our nation. On this Father's Day, I want to have our dads, I want to think about me as a father and for all of us to think about having a heart for Christ alone. And I wanted to share this resource with you. It comes from one of my favorite websites called allprodad.com. But it's not just for dads. We're going to show how many of the points that they have about being an all pro dad relate to us as people, whether we're male or female, fathers or, or mothers or anybody else, they relate to us. So here's a list of 10 classic ways to be an all pro dad here on Father's Day. Number one, love your wife. Two, spend time with your kids. Seek out time with them. Grab moments with them, it says. Three, be a role model. Four, understand and enjoy your kids. Get to understand them and enjoy them. Five, to show affection. And then six, secure your family's financial future. This shows commitment to the family. Seven, eat together. Eight, discipline with a gentle spirit. Nine, to pray and worship together as a family. And ten, realize you're a father forever. These are great notes for dads, but they're also important, I think, for all of us. So what I want to do is take a look at those odd numbers of those. If we go back to the start, when it says love your wives, how about loving others with all of our heart? It's what God calls us to do in the great commandment. Number three, be a role model. We can each be an example for others. It says in life, love, faith, and purity, it says in 1 Timothy, we can be a role model. Number five, to show affection, to show passion in our relationships, whatever those relationships are to show affection and passion. Number seven, to eat together. We want to have food, fun, and fellowship in this church. We've talked about that. We want to eat together as families and as friends. That's important. And number nine, to pray and worship together, not just with your family, but with our church family. That brings us together as a church family. Those help us to be in relationship and to develop that heart for Christ alone. Finally, the culture says, I am the most unlikely of the bunch. Oftentimes I think I'm the most unlikely of the bunch that God would choose. But God says, I'm looking at your heart. So the question is, do you have a heart for Christ alone? And you're seeking to develop that heart for Christ alone. If you don't have it, ask for it. Consider yourselves desperate, you know, to ask for that kind of heart for God. Change the way that you pray. Start praying as David prayed, you know, with a sense of humility and lifting yourself up for God. Asking God to help you call out to God for him to help you. And realize again, as we said earlier, that God loves you first. God desires you. God desires your heart to be a heart that follows him. And when you have a heart that follows him, then you will be wanting to do these other things for him. So God is looking at your heart. 
have a heart for Christ alone. And in doing that and seeking that, I want us to close in prayer using again part of a prayer that David prayed in the famous Psalm 51. So let us pray. Father God, as we close in in prayer today, we want to use some of David's words. God, that you said that had a heart after your heart. He said, create in me a pure heart, O God. Lord, help us to have pure hearts. Lord, when we fail, when we mess up, we know that we're not perfect. Help us then to turn back to you and pray again. Lord, create in me a pure heart again. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. God, help that spirit to be steadfast and persevering for you. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. God, we thank you for your spirit. Don't push us away from your presence and help as we pull ourselves away from your presence to come back to you in forgiveness and grace. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. God, as David prayed, we pray for the joy of your salvation that we would know you and love you. Lord, help us to have hearts for Christ alone. God, that we realize that the things on the outside, the outward appearance and other things that the culture expects and thinks about don't matter as much as what's on the inside, as what's in our hearts. So finally, God, we ask you to change our hearts today that we would follow you and have hearts for Christ alone for you. It is in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.